thoughts on my card again all right and welcome again to another brand new edition of the right the radio podcast i am matt marite i am as usual sliding into the hosting duties with my usual plum and as always my trusty co-host the rudder of the ship bobby dubs how you doing today sir i'm doing fine my good man (laughs) and joining us today on the battlements is usual guest uh our alabama constituent ashley woods <laughs> how you doing ashley hello i'm great how are you doing well as always and joining us for the first time today but probably not for the last well actually let's not be too hasty about that <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's be cordial today, Matt. Can we do that? Yeah. Frequent <laughs> hey, Twitter. Hey, you wait partner. till you're introduced, sir. That's the way we do things around. Rojas. Look, I'm, I'm out of the picture until I come on. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, like tennis. He seems to be a Phillies agitator. I tell well, the truth. Phillies agitator. <laughs> yes, no, we, we don't need that. You don't want to hear the truth. No. You want me to just? I'll, I'll come and just lie on this podcast today. I'll do. I'll do it all. <laughs> no, the other day when you just popped in the chat, you're like, "Hey, Francisco Lindor looks great in a Mets uniform." Like, what was that even about? Why exactly. would you bring that up? What was that? Completely unnecessary. No, right? but, but you're an still, agitator. It's what you are. You're an agitator. You, all right. Did any of you see the picture of Lindor taking ground balls at spring training? First off, nobody looks good in a Mets uniform. <laughs> <laughs> this year, okay, Gray, man. orange, and blue is a terrible color scheme. Look, look, bro. It's it, it, as much as I didn't like Jose Reyes and David Wright. They looked they looked great in Mets uniforms. They were great players. I I can show the respect where it needs to be shown. <laughs> they they were great players. They didn't look great because it's objectively not a great uniform. Exactly. Blacks are okay. If you would like to uh, <laughs> chime in on the disgusting look of a Mets uniform, feel free to. Nobody we will, we will nobody highlight you on sentence. the show today. Oh, my. Nobody cut oh that last my. sentence and play it out of context or else my <laughs> I will gladly do that. <laughs> look, we look, listen, we beat the Mets during that time frame it's okay it's okay to look back and say like okay they were good players or those uniforms were nice we we came back in 07 we we came back in 08 and won the world series we were dominating at that time it's okay it's okay no. there's this whoa no welcome to the whoa. show whoa. whoa we have an, we have whoa. an invader whoa whoa we got <laughs> an invader damn yeah oh, i can in with some of his overwatch skills is it's vince quinn Ironically, the handle and who's here? Hey, I, I'm doing motioning as if that's going to show up on the podcast, which is very smooth. <laughs> yeah, it'll show up on the on, on the on the stream feed, you know, live on Periscope right now. Okay, <laughs> so they'll, they'll be able to see you in your moves. Oh yeah, well in that case, now I gotta, I gotta start moving a little bit. You know, I gotta show off what I got. They need to introduce that. That should be a part. <laughs> Often with what the hell is this? <laughs> What's up, folks? Nothing <laughs> much. Yeah, this, this is, is our show, Austin. This oh, is what this is. 
this is chaos and I'm just here, okay? It's anarchy, baby. And I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, so, so have Matt and Francisco strangled each other yet? Where are we at here? What did I miss? Well, Matt wanted to start playing show and tell. And I just, I was like, man, I'm not even going to try. I'm you like, first of all, you asked him. Let's be real here. You asked him what asked he was him eating, and you said if it was Lucky Charms or not. And then he wanted to show you because you thought it was Lucky Charms. So technically, you kind of started it, and then there was a train that went down because that's how everything happens with the two of y'all. <laughs> listen, I asked Vince. Listen, I asked Matt if we could be cordial today. And he didn't answer me. He didn't. He didn't answer me. So, well, yeah. The, the whole group thread is full of like we're going to war. We're going to fight each other. So you can't just yeah. talk all that shit and then show up on the podcast and be like, "Hey, let's be best friends now." All of a sudden, Did we no just become best friends. Y'all, like he Matt joined the call and said Francisco. Like he already knew from jump. Matt was choosing violence, so I don't know why <laughs> you thought, "Oh, we're going to be cordial today." <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to be. Look, I'm I'm keeping professional on the podcast right now. That's where I'm at. Matt, where are you at right now? I want to know where your head's at. If on site was a person, Ashley Woods, <laughs> it would be Matt Maritek. <laughs> right now, it, it's sort of like how Dubs described it. It is Seinfeld and Newman. <laughs> Wait, who's Seinfeld in this analogy? Rojas. That would be, <laughs> be man. I've I've appeared in more episodes, so exactly. Fair. Wow, wow. <laughs> oh boy. So, all right. Oh no. <laughs> oh Jesus. Well, Austin with the comic relief from the jet. <laughs> Austin Grell has informed me that there's a good. <laughs> It's the question mark after blonde for me. <laughs> Wait, is this the sixth sense? Oh yeah, what's oh, the deal? He says twice now. So, is, like, what's happening there? What, what is this situation? <laughs> Are you being haunted, Matt Meredith? No. See, I always assumed that the ghost was a guy. Maybe that was my bad. <laughs> Yo. I, I, had it on, I had it under authority of a person who's tapped into these matters that his name was Dave, Dave. and that he was friendly. Dave. Okay. Dave, the friendly ghost. Yeah, and he kidding the Casper. Okay. Well, actually, let's get back to the topic that we were debating. Oh, God. <laughs> Can we not go back to the match uniform? I came here for tennis. And well, I just want to know what Vince thinks. <laughs> well, what are we talking about here? Yeah, you got to let me know what the topic is. Mets uniforms. Oh, ugly or not? Uh, they're, they're not bad. They're not. Ba- it depends on the uniform that they're wearing. Did they just debut new ones? Did I just miss, like, new Mets uniforms? Because that's not... No, Vince, like, like 2007, 2008 Mets uniforms. Yeah, I mean, orange and blue is a decent color scheme. Yeah, it, it's I, I not amazing. It's solid. This started with me saying Francisco Lindor looks really good in a Mets uniform. That's all I said. Yeah, which I thought was unnecessary. I mean, it's just one driving a dagger into the heart of our very own Dan Lemke Jr. And for no reason whatsoever. That's as true. His Cleveland random no-name team, you know, <laughs> uh, await their fate. And then a division rival is like, hmm. That looks. He looks good. 
I, to be fair, I will get my Lindor jersey out right now. It's not a Mets uniform. It is an Indians Lindor jersey. I'm a Lindor fan. Maybe not as much now, but I'm. come on. It, it, it does hurt when a player you like goes to an opposing team that you can't stand, right? That, that is yeah, a, a sure. difficult thing to deal with. But yeah, say I. But when you come out and you say, "Yeah, he looks good," it's it's hard to say that, that a man looks good in a Mets uniform. In that context, it does hurt. Exactly. A man that doesn't look good, however, in a new uniform is my guy Carson Wentz. I'm not thrilled on that. Uh, what kind of blue? That royal blue? Is that the royal blue they use over in Indianapolis? But I mean, I'm not. Maybe a maybe a cornflower. Cornflower. <laughs> What You're is reaching that? to my Crayola 96 pack there. Exactly. Where's my six? I only had the 64. See, I wasn't a big baller. Like yo, yo, Matt, Matt was a big baller when he was younger. Yeah, Matt had the 96 with the sharpener in the back. All of that. He was the boss. He had all the middle school girls, all the elementary school girls on him. <laughs> oh, my God. Here you go, baby. Stop using yellow. I got some golden rod. <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you, Austin Prowl, for stopping by on the Periscope. Who is apparently going to get his life together? We love to see it. There you go. Yeah, at least we one of us has their life together. Pro. Thank you very That's much. Good. Another one of our outstanding writers at Last Out Media, and also his NBA stuff is the stuff of lore. So go check out at NBA Crow. Uh, yes, he's got some great stuff. Yes, yeah, it's educational and fun. It's like the magic school bus of NBA coverage. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to this stuff, man. I can literally. I just, I'm just here, honestly. <laughs> so thoughts on our boy Carson. They finally did the trade. He's there. I know there's been a lot of speculation as to whether or not they'd be good. He's already having issues with his teammates because he can't get his number. But <laughs> oh, is that true? do we think yeah. he can succeed there? It's my being my big question. I mean, he's already going on to a way better team than the Eagles have currently. I mean, true, a pretty decent offensive line, probably one of the best in the league. Even though the Eagles have one of the best in the league, um, good receiving core, good running back core, good defense. I mean, he's stepping into a team that has been getting into the playoffs or been consistently in the playoff picture for like the past couple of years. With so Phillip this Rivers limp arm. An absolutely atrocious throwing motion. The inner not to mention coach, his weak pullout looks game. At, looks at Philip Rivers. Sir, Philip Rivers is the peace emoji of great quarterbacks. We're just gonna ignore everything Bobby just said and just focus on. I think he talked right over me, and purposely so, as he should. Uh, I think it's fair. I mean, let's be honest. Philip Rivers was always forcing it in the tight windows. Clearly, that was on and off the field. Oh my God. <laughs> That's his thing. Oh my God. <laughs> he's, he's got a niche. He's got a niche. He sticks to it. It's his brand. Oh it's his God. thing, man. It's his MO. Between him and Cromarty, oh my God. <laughs> we have Philip Rivers' kids versus Cromarty's kids in a football game in 10 years. Exactly. I'm taking Cromartie's kids every day of the week and twice. Every day. He has a, a full t- football team and like three backups. Like Philip Rivers has like half. <laughs> now, look, oh, like all, all Philip Rivers' kids are at home. They're pampered. They're probably smoiled. Half of Cromartie's kids like don't even know him. They're coming to that field with a little bit of anger. 
<laughs> through angst. This is the only time my dad has ever watched me play football. Like this, Cromartie's kids, they have it on so many levels. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Plus, I mean, Cromartie's just naturally more athletic than Philip Rivers. True. This is true. I can't tell you what Philip Rivers running looks like, but it can't be pretty. <laughs> can't be any worse than Tom Brady running. I mean, <laughs> yeah. not, Tom Brady, what? He ran like, what, a 5 2? Yeah. I think I can yeah. beat that. I believe you're right. I'm not going to say if I can beat that, but I, I, I will pick <laughs> that up for interpretation. We'll get the stopwatch out. We'll get the stopwatch. Let's <laughs> make it happen. That's, that's going to be our new challenge. Are you faster than Tom Brady? That's going to be the game that we oh, play. Exactly. <laughs> but going going back to Wentz, um, man, because we went a long way away from Wentz. <laughs> uh, Ashley, you did not warn me about this. Yeah, this is what it is, man. Uh, going into Wentz, I'll say this. Like Ashley said, totally in the right spot. Like it's a, it's a good situation with all the pieces around him. He doesn't have to be a superstar. He's just got to be a game manager. And... For him, it's like if he can't do it with the Colts, he's not going to do it anywhere, right? Yeah. Like where else is this going to happen for Wentz? And that's the thing that exactly. I look at and I go, okay, this makes sense for the Eagles to get him out of there. His agent wanted him over there. Wentz wanted to be over there. Like there was no better fit. If he went into Chicago, he wasn't going to make it. Like that team sucks and they could be firing everybody at the end of next season. So for him to go to Indy, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I at least want to see if he's still got it and if he can get it back and Indy's the only spot. So from that sense, I dig it. I think it's a good move. Plus, yeah, I like I like the fact that they're. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. Yeah, and, and I think something that we're kind of looking over here is that the media outlet in uh, Indianapolis is a far different vibe than it is in Philadelphia. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> I guess that's going to be a little less taxing on him. We'll see how that works out for him. But yeah, I mean, he's going into a situation where all he has to do is just be average, and the team is going to be at least 10-6 and six going into the playoffs. I mean, you got the Jaguars getting a new QB and a new coaching system. You got the Titans, who just lost their offensive coordinator, and then Houston's a freaking dumpster fire at this point. So, I mean, if he's not successful, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's pretty... It's really up to him at this point. I'm like, okay, you got out. What you gonna do with it? Put up or shut up. Yeah, he and then the team, like Vince was saying, it's, it's structured around a way that kind of caters to his skill set and what he does well and what made him so successful here in that 2017, that lost 2017 season where they had a tremendous running game. I think they were like number two in the league in rushing yards as far as team total. And, you know, they played really good defense, especially like on the back end, getting stops at the end of games. The Colts do both of those well. They run the ball very well. So he's not going to be able to force anything, like you said, be a game manager. You don't have to force anything. They can run the ball 25, 30 times a game, and then he make the plays he has to make to move the ball down the field and be successful. He is literally in the best spot he could be in where all the things around him kind of help him out. He's got a legit number one in a T.Y. Hilton, presuming they bring him back. Like that's somebody he can count on to when he's open is going to catch the ball. You don't have to worry about that. And like I said, he has a running game. The defense is stout. They got studs in the middle of their defense, which is unheard of here in Philadelphia. We don't do the whole linebacker thing for some reason. No. <laughs> you can read my article on that. But uh, so I, I think he's in a good place. I think he's in a good spot. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I just I think like this year he's going to prove that you know. He's going to have some weapons around him, 
and he's going to play well having weapons around him. And there's a lot of people in this city that said, well, he doesn't have enough weapons around him. And he's going to have that in Indy. And I, I don't I'm, I don't think he's going to play MVP level, but I think he'll play well enough for them to get in the playoffs. And, you know, like you said, that he has T.Y. there. He has a, a good running back. He They have a good team there. He has Frank Reich. Uh, you know, he's the head coach there. Like, I think he'll, I think he's going to thrive over there, to be honest. I, you know, I don't know about MVP level again, but I think he's, he's going to be a good quarterback over there. To quote my favorite Eagles all pro, let the Bronco buck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carson Wentz on the Colts is going to, like, I'm Dan Orlovsky. High on this. I, I think. <laughs> oh, gosh. God. Not Dan Orlovsky. Look, it just, it, it all makes sense. He's going to have, what, at least three pass catching tight ends, two or three, probably. He has a decent receiving core in Pittman and Hilton if they bring him back. They got, what, Hines, Marlon Mack, and Jonathan Taylor. I think mean, there's no way that this isn't going to lead to some type of you know, success. He's going to have a healthy offseason for the first time in what his entire career since 2017, Mm -hmm. basically it's, it's all factoring in to a successful run. And it just, yeah, frankly, it makes sense because of how Carson is viewed. Who knows? Right. But we're talking about the Colts as a playoff team pretty much automatically, right. With the addition of Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. So it just it, as long as he doesn't play like he did last year, exactly, exactly, Francisco. He can't, he can't play worse than he did last year, right? I mean, we don't you can play. only go up from here. Yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to, for him to go from what he, I mean, it's been said a million times, but for him to go from 2017, I don't care what it was that would, that was what his second year in the league. Uh, from him to go from that level to what it was last year. I don't care about the coaches and everything. Like I do, like it does matter, but for you to go from that to that, like that's just, just, just look up the game tape of ham on Brown. And that'll <laughs> everything you need to know. Fix my glove here. <laughs> Sua Opeta. Does that name ring a bell? Oh my God. Can we, please, please Matt, this is a PTSD. This should have a trigger warning. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> that was oh, my that was gonna be my next this is a question. Team that has to regularly start Richard Rogers at tight end. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah but like, but like, what's crazy is though it w- it was literally just 14 months ago that he had taken those practice squad players to the playoffs. Like, that wasn't that four thousand yards. That wasn't Nobody that had long over ago. It, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, which is crazy to go from even not from just twenty seventeen from from that. And he did have, you know, I think the middle of uh, 2019, he was kind of iffy. I remember against Seattle, he looked like crap. I remember that game. He looked like crap. Um, but, you know, just to, to go from that, that's, that's a short time span, man. I mean, that's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, anybody, anybody else listening to the radio broadcast, I forget what game it was. Uh, when that guy, Cream or whoever, Carew, caught a touchdown pass. I don't remember that. Mike Quick and uh, Merle Reese legitimately did not know who it was. That's how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, 
Merrill took like two or three seconds after the catch. He had to find the name on the bottom of his depth chart. And Mike Quick, without missing a beat, legitimately went, who? <laughs> Mike's the best because he will always tell you exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That leads us to the other side of the coin. You know, he's got his new situation here. Where does that leave us? Is Jalen Hurts going to be the guy? What do they do with the number six pick? I said they screw the whole city. They pick a kicker at six. That's what I want. <laughs> pick a kicker at six. So they fuck the whole entire town and burn this mother to the ground. I want absolute anarchy. Did you just watch Al Davis talk in that arena? Like, what? Yep. <laughs> Not a kicker at six. <laughs> So are we no, all drinking? Is that what's going on here? What's it? We got to like, a kicker, a kicker. I, I might need a drink after that. I like. I can. I just got water. I, I can stomach the idea of a quarterback. I don't know if a lot of you guys can. I can stomach a quarterback, but I endorse it. You endorse it. it. There Excuse we go. Excuse me, who sir. Like? Who do you like? <laughs> Please go I, ahead. I've completely talked myself into Zach Wilson over the course there you of go. The last Woo. week. That's, Woo. That's a bold man about, right there. I'm buying. The Mormon Mahomes to Philadelphia. <laughs> Let him do his mission work right here in the city, right now in South Philly. We need Jesus. We need a resurgence. We need someone to bring us closer to the Latter Day Saints. Let that man Zach Wilson be our savior. Well, I, w- I want to know, guys. So uh, Kevin Reevy, um, who you guys might know, uh, I asked him yesterday on Twitter. And I said, who are we drafting at six? He said he thinks he'll be a wide receiver, but he wouldn't be surprised if they trade out. Um, it should also be mentioned that regardless of what people think of the possibility, the Eagles do, in capital letters, now have enough draft capital to trade up for Trevor Lawrence. So I was wondering what you guys thought. Don't play with my emotions like that, Francisco. We trade up for Trevor Lawrence. We're trading up from... We're trading up from Sunshine for Remember the Titans. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> no, we're trading up for Jar Jar Binks. Okay, let's see. <laughs> no I, see. I see Brock Osweiler with surfer hair. Oh, oh man. Wow. Oh, these are devastating takes on Trevor Lawrence. Wow. Man, I, I'm you, all in do on you, Do you not see the Alabama logo? I think anybody who goes to an NFL Urban Meyer offense is screwed. Like, I have no confidence in whoever they pick. Wait, so let me, let me ask Vince. So you're, 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 you're in on Lawrence. Yeah, of course I, I'm in on Lawrence. But, yeah. but can it happen? Can it really happen? Well, that's the thing. Here's here's the only way you can possibly make the argument that Trevor Lawrence could even be past number one. The only way is if the theory is that Urban Meyer would want Justin Fields. He recruited Fields, having him go to Ohio State. Now he wants Fields as a pro. That's the only possible way. I don't know if I believe that, but that's the only thing I could maybe see. And then whether or not the Eagles are the team to go up and, and get them. I mean, for the Jags, you don't have to trade back necessarily unless – you convince some idiot to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to trade if you're Jacksonville uh, unless you're taking somebody that isn't Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you just stay at one, you take Lawrence. So I don't know who would trade up. I don't know if the Eagles could trade up. But if it goes like that, you have a shot, you got to take it, right? I mean, Lawrence is just generational, man. You got to do it. I mean, did, did, did we not trade up for Wentz? 
Well, yeah, yeah and Wentz yeah. was a great prospect, but yeah. it, he just, you know, it, it was all sorts of stuff. Part of it was mental form, injuries, the roster, like everything went bad with him. But when you picked him at two, he was clearly right. worth a number two pick. I mean, right. even now, I, I was, I still have no regrets on drafting him at two. I don't. 100%. He helped us play the Super Bowl, no matter what. Yeah, that's it. Super Bowl. That's, that's not debatable. There are people debating that still. It's not debatable. It's Matt? not uh, Speaking speaking of highly drafted North Dakota prospects. Oh my God! Please do not mention Trey Lance in my presence. Oh my! (laughs) Open to the idea. Oh no! I rather bring more in my homes at that point, please. (laughs) I know I've been hurt by a country boy once, but a country boy can survive, and I think Trey Lance. You know, maybe. Listen, I'm just a fan of if we are committing to Jalen Hurts, getting weapons around Jalen. If my good old boy Devontae Smith falls to number six, I'm fine with that. Perfectly fine with that. I mean, it would indicate that they are committing to Jalen, right? They brought in his guy, Brian Johnson, to be QB coach. And there's not a peep out of the Eagles organization with him publicly working with a quarterback coach, which was, you know, a sort of a taboo thing that Wentz did. Right. So it seems like they are, you know, giving Jalen a little leeway. Correct. Correct. Definitely. Yeah. And, and if there is a quarterback on the board, I mean, if it's either, I would say anybody that's what uh, Wilson fields or Lance, if any of those three guys are on the board and they go with a wide receiver instead, that is a massive vote of confidence for Jalen Hurts. It, it just is. I mean, those guys are, are quality prospects that could go that high. So, I mean, I, I just want a winner, man. Like, I don't care how you put it together. doesn't matter. I, I want to win. Like, look, I can – I just want to win. Well, well, what's the ceiling on Hurts, you think, then? I mean, how good do you think I it's going to be? I, I, I mean, what, what, what was the sample size last year? It was four games, right? Yes. I mean, he, he, he fits that mold of where the game is going as far as the quarterbacks, right? Mobile, uh, you know, it, it he fits it. Now it's just about can he have the right coaching around him? Can he get the right uh, the right system? We're going to see it now because he has we have a new, entirely new uh, coaching staff, right? So, you know, I, I think, I mean, I mean, he has, we know he has the confidence. We know he has the mental. It's just about, you know, really putting it together and developing him the right way. You know, that's how yeah. I feel. Now, here's another thing that I'm kind of curious about is is you think of the coaching staff that the Eagles brought in and how much do they buy that Colts philosophy? You know what I mean? Like, are they going to be a, a ball control, let's run it a lot, strong defense kind of team? Or are they willing, like, does Sirianni have any interest in building a team where it's like, get me the top quarterback, let's throw 45 times a game and we'll just make sacrifices everywhere else. I, I just, I don't know how much it matters because how he's running the show, but I, I think that's got some level of factor in whether or not they take a quarterback at six. If you think you're going to run the ball all the time and you're taking it out of Jalen Hurts' hands a little bit, it's easier to draft somebody around him and keep Hurts in a quarterback. You're absolutely right. It, it, it's easier to go that way than to, say, get a new guy and then go through all that time of um, – Preparing him, prepping him, and seeing if he's the guy. Then you got the quarterback battle, and you got more of the quarterback controversy and drama when you can just see what you got with this kid who clearly a lot of people liked and were excited about. And you were excited about what we saw in those that small sample size, about four games, where yeah. he did some things and they were impressive. 
I mean, he was doing things that hadn't been done as far as, you know, certain multiple game records and things like that. So I definitely think you go Hurts and see what he can do and see if he can be the guy. You don't draft a guy in the second round because you're some genius with a quarterback factory and you thought he could be a great backup. Like, uh, that's just moronic. If that was the case, they should all be fired and Lori should sell the team. Listen, I think Vince asked about, you know, Jalen's ceiling. I mean, remember, wasn't it the Arizona game he looked – was it the Arizona game he looked really good? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, we yeah. we, we see the potential that Jalen has. Now, I think that Arizona game is a really good indicator that he can be a really good quarterback in this league. Now it's just all about putting it together over, you know, 16 games, which is tough to do. The, the NFL is probably, in my opinion, the toughest league in the world. As much as I love baseball and other sports, like the NFL is the toughest league in the world, um, especially, you know, a sport where it every game is huge. So, uh, you know, I think Jalen, Jalen, he can, he can do it, man, especially from what we've seen in that Arizona game. If he can put that together, uh, you know, sky's the limit. And actually, you're our resident Jalen Hurts expert. Yeah. She was so kind and blasting us and show us her her Alabama Stitching. What are your thoughts on whether or not they should pick somebody, put them at quarterback, or they should go with your boy uh, and see what they can do with him? Because you have been fair in your critique of him. I will give you absolute credit for that. You've been always fair with your critique of him, what you think of him, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. So I was wondering what what your thoughts on the team moving forward with him as the quarterback. I mean, I think – the fact that they said four games versus five years is enough of a vote of confidence to whether he's going to be able to lead this team or not. And like Francisco said, that Arizona game, I was on the road for that game. I was coming back home. Um, but I did hear, and then I did see some highlights of that place. And you saw flashes of how Lincoln Riley and his one year at Oklahoma really helped foster his passing game, which was something that was kind of overlooked during his time at Bama because he was saw, seen as like more of a running QB, that mobile guy that like, oh, if the pass isn't there, he's going to use his legs. Like he's going to like create these plays. So they – really kind of shafted his passing game. And so when you saw that Arizona game and saw the passes that he was making, some of the plays on the run, the throws on the run that he was making, you saw like, okay, he's the prototype quarterback that you won. So I really do think that if they traded their quarterback that they traded up to get number two, paid a whole heck of a lot of money for, for an extension, I really do think that they're going to invest and Jalen and get a receiver, get maybe a tight end, maybe Kyle Pitts, whatever. We'll see how that goes. But is, I don't is Kyle I, Pitts a tight end? Yes, he is. He's a tight end. He played tight end for Florida, but he was under Brian Johnson, he was schemed a couple times to play right receiver um in some different packages. You saw that a lot in the Alabama versus Florida game, the SEC title, where they try to use them because uh, as a wide receiver tight end, like halfback hybrid because our linebackers tend to struggle against those types of players. So they try to exploit that. 
didn't work, obviously. But unsuccessfully, but but yeah, I think I really do think Jalen has a vote of confidence already with them getting rid of Carson and just how he played in those four games. I do think if you want to bring in QB competition, there is no reason why you have to draft a player. I mean, there are really good free agent QBs out there that play similarly to Jalen that can help him and mentor him. I don't understand why drafting a player to create competition in the QB factory that we have makes any sense and helps Jalen at all. I mean, what free agent QB would you take over Jalen? I mean, take it's magic. I wouldn't take, no, I wouldn't take any free agent over Jalen. I would take a free agent to help maybe Jalen. Well, there's helping and then there's competition, right? Competition is not going to come from a free agent guy unless it's Fitzmagic, who just seems to have like the silver bullet when it comes to destroying young quarterbacks. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, yeah, you, you can't bring him in. You can't, can't bring Fitzmagic in no. if, you're saying, if you're saying that. I mean, God. think about what? He had people calling for Tua to be benched. He put the final nail in Josh Rosen's career. Uh, he got Jameis shipped out to the Saints. You can't you can't bring no. fixed magic in, but you can bring in a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Destroy Geno um, Smith. So yeah, Tyrod is a good choice. That's a good one. You can bring in a guy like Tyrod Taylor. He can create a healthy competition between the two because healthy? Tyrod you didn't say healthy and Tyrod in the same sentence with this medical many, staff. Be, I said amputated by week one. Healthy competition. <laughs> Given his luck, not, not healthy <laughs> as in playing, but healthy competition. Relax there, Bobby. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying he's got bad luck with health and doctors and all of that. Yeah, they Listen. punctured his lung in the, in exactly. before the game last yeah. year. That was insane. That that was, you come here, that. he's getting an amputation of some sort. With the way we got injuries I, and people getting hurt. A healthy competition. <laughs> I'm not giving any vote of confidence on his health. I'm just saying that the competition between the two will be a great competition. That's what I say because... Health-wise, Tyrod Taylor does have literally the worst luck I've ever seen. And I, I trip over air, so there's that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we've sort of stumbled upon what I think is Jalen's closest NFL comparison, right? Because there's the ends of the spectrum, right? Over here is Russell Wilson, right? That's the best Jalen Hurts could ever be. Over here is Tavares Jackson. Right, <laughs> which is the worst. Tyrod Jackson is a champion. Wasn't that bad, dude. Tyrod, somewhere in here, right? And that's ultimately where Jalen will fall. Will it be closer to a Dak on this side, or will it be? I don't know. Somebody else name me a mobile quarterback real quick. <laughs> They kind of stunk. Yeah, you want somebody that's like a little below average. I'm trying to think. Uh, right. I want like to say ten, Mike like McMahon, but he was water. awful. If he had knees. <laughs> he had knees. I can't. Well, let me ask you this uh, real quick. I, what do you guys think of the idea of if they pass on a quarterback at six, but they took a guy, say, in the fourth round? I would have no problem with that. Why not? Yeah, that's, that Why sounds not? really. I, I like as long that. as it's not a Clayson, Clayton Thorison scenario. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, assume he's not a hot garbage and they have to cut him before the, the first season yeah, of his yeah. career. Yeah. Uh, yeah, assuming he can last at least a year in the league. I think it makes a lot of sense. Doesn't hurt Jalen if he's a later pick. Could work. I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as the guy can read a play chart, that's fine. 
Exactly. It's not like you're, you've you got a, a Kirk Cousins RG3 scenario where you draft them both in the same draft and then you're wondering, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> like, There's no problem with picking somebody if you're going to pick a quarterback in this draft. You get somebody in the later rounds, maybe you can groom to be a appropriate backup or if no reason is over, that person has to start and you know you have something to go through uh, in your bullpen. So, you know, it's not a problem. It's, that, that I would be happier with than going extra high and shooting for the moon at six, like how he is prone to do and try to think he's the smartest guy in the room and then he screws his team for a decade or more. Hell, if he turned into Kirk Cousins, I think we'd all be happy. <laughs> right? I'm not. I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about it at all. <laughs> yeah, did you, you like that? You like that? <laughs> I know. So ultimately, uh, if they use Miles Sanders like he should be used, then Jalen's going to be throwing what 20, 25 times a game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I know Ashley has to leave soon. I don't know if you guys still want to talk tennis. We can talk but, tennis. Yeah. That was the main yeah, reason why we have I mean, Francisco and Ashley here. So we can. Yeah, I, mean, no, I can. I can see if I can stay a little bit longer. We'll see how it goes. But I, know, I didn't want to. I'm enjoying the football talk, but I'm just saying. You know, I was excited. I got my notes here, man. I got the draws. Go out. right ahead, Francisco. Um, yeah. Well, you guys have the questions. Like, are we just going? How did you? Were there any big <laughs> surprises in the Australian Open that you saw? That you oh. weren't surprised when it got down to the nitty gritty, when it got down to the end, when you saw who was crowned. Were there, was there anything that jumped out of you like, whoa, I didn't see that guy having that run well, or, or that I guy mean, having can, that run? I can give you guys, uh, I mean, you guys know Rafael Nadal is, I'm, yes. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. So right. he. The Spaniard. He, <laughs> King of the clay. Yes. He, 13 French Open titles. Yes. The, the greatest specialist. The, the the greatest, by the way, the greatest record in sports, that's a fact, is 13 French Open titles from Rafael Nadal. Well, that is a complete lie. Okay, well, sir. That is complete and utter malarkey. Ooh. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Ooh, no, no, already. I mean, 102 at the French Open. I'm just yeah, going to put that out there. I'm just going to put that out there. 102 yeah. at the French Open. Yeah, 102. That's pretty. That's that's take pretty. it how you is. There, there's Matt, two people. 102 what degrees? <laughs> no, 102. 100 victories, two losses. Two one losses. Of that's is retired now. Okay, the other one just won his ninth Australian Open. The two people. There's yeah. only two people on this earth that has beaten. Matt, what? Hold on, Matt. What record is better than that in sports? All sports. Well, what is better than that? Well, let's see. There's Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. There's Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak. All incredible, but not better than 13. There's Wayne Gretzky having more assists than anybody else has points. Will Chamberlain, uh, 10,000 yeah. women. Will Chamberlain, 10,000 women. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, we stepped into Ken the Williams hitting 400. I mean, there's... I mean, I'm, I'm going purely based off a win loss record. I'm not the. Yeah, I don't, like, look, Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mayweather. I mean, I won't disagree with Floyd Mayweather being up there, even though I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of his boxing style, but whatever. That's a all right, maybe, maybe all right, maybe to a sense it's debatable, but it's underrated. It's a it's, it's probably, probably the best record in tennis. 
I mean, a hundred percent, but it's, I mean, in sports, the whole sports spectrum. Look, I don't even like to do, and I'm giving props to Tom Brady having won 17% of all the Super Bowls there have ever been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, insane. I, he's I won more that. Super Bowls than franchises have. Every franchise as an individual. Ooh. That's insane as far as winning. Yeah, but Nadal, I'll say this. <laughs> Nadal also wipes dudes off the clay court at the French Open. He wipes the floor. It's not even – it's usually not even a contest. There's been a few And he doesn't even think he's that good on on, on clay. <laughs> Nadal has said, I think I play better on the grass. Because yeah. he's a humble-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> Nadal is really most – Humble guy on the planet. Nadal <laughs> has literally said that he prefers playing on grass. And you look at his grass record to his clay court record, you're like you're like, are you on crack, Rafa? Like, are you yeah. on crack? <laughs> you, you, it shows completely. Yeah, he different. probably has heavy metal poisoning from biting the French Open trophy. <laughs> probably, probably, it's probably gotten to his head. Like, like I, I want to put it this way too, right? Like, Nadal is what? Ashley, do you we know how old Nadal is? Like, 35, 36? 34. He'll be 35 in June. He just, yeah, June. Novak Djokovic <laughs> might be, listen, Novak, Novak Djokovic might be the best tennis player of all time when it's said and done. He, he, he probably will be. In a couple of years when he has the record, he will be the best ever. Um, Nadal literally just wiped his ass off the court at the French Open five, six months ago. And destroyed them straight sets. And might I add a court that was playing like a mid level hard court yeah. because First of the conditions? There's a little chocolatier by the name of Roger Federer who <laughs> might have might take <laughs> argument. Not a chocolate. <laughs> Federer is top three all time. Federer's top three. He, he, better might anyway, let's get back to the Australian Open. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, why did you answer my original question about <laughs> well, what yeah, jumped out at you, sir? Listen, can we, can we just talk about Naomi's Osaka's dominance on hardcore? It's honestly, uh, it's honestly unbelievable. She has 30, 37 and 2 in her last 39 matches on. Hardcore, the last two people to beat her, Carolina Pliskova of the Czech Republic, and I believe Coco Golf last year at last yeah. year's Australian yeah. Open are the last two people to beat Naomi Osaka on a hard court. She is literally becoming Rafael Nadal on a hard court. She is well, <laughs> I mean, people are already talking. Right, let's talk about this. This is a little, I guess, something we can, you know, um, you know, Naomi now now that she's won her fourth major, I don't know what the stat is, but before age, like, I, I, Ashley, how old's Naomi? 23, 24, around there. Uh, I think she might be a little bit younger, but um, whatever. Like, they're already talking about her. She's going to have more majors than Serena when she's done. That's what they're talking about right now. Um, it's all, it's almost kind of like I'm a Holmes-Brady type of thing, uh, except Naomi just beat Serena last week. So, uh, you know, you had Brady who just won and beat Mahomes, but it's kind of flip-flop here with Naomi just kind of – I mean, she beat Serena in straights. Like, it really wasn't that close yeah. of a contest. Like, it wasn't – Here's the thing. That match could have been very different. Serena was up to love with the chance of having being up five love in that first set. We aren't – we – if that match goes the way that Serena intended, we're not even talking about whether or not Naomi is 
be, getting close what, to Serena. What, 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 what does that even mean? Yeah, what does if that it goes mean? the way she intended, I'm sure well, she I mean, wanted I it to go that way. Intended. I couldn't think of a word there. But, but God, why? Oh, I'm sorry. Herself. The word police is here. I'm sorry that I misspoke a little bit. And y'all were like, well, the way she intended, what does that even mean? Like, I'm sorry. Yes, I am sorry. She she's a big Serena stand, so just know Clearly, that. she yeah. won't accept that woman got her behind handed to her. Yeah, I mean, I literally have accepted that. I was watching the match, and I will watch part of the match. I was somewhere else, but I did come home to latter stages of the match. And I'm a fan of Naomi. I literally love her game. The way that she transformed her game from 2016 to 2017, Naomi, where she literally could not hold a rally. From yeah. the behind the baseline to where she is now, I mean, hitting winners off the court, it's finding insane. these angles, her serve is honestly insane. The transformation she's had, so I am a big fan of the evolution that Serena, uh, that sorry, not Serena, Naomi has had <laughs> in her career. That was a little slip up, but it, it's it, you gotta take the point that like this match could have gone either way had Serena not made so many unforced errors, and by golly, unforced errors were killing Serena throughout the tournament the way that she was able to get further is because she was able to overcome that and her opponents really couldn't take advantage of those unforced errors, but they caught up to her in the semifinals because she was playing Naomi, who was making very few of those. Yeah. Very, very few of those. Well, so I think I mean, the way it is now with tennis, when you have these aging all-time greats in Serena and in Nadal, you know, in a Djokovic to some sense, we're going to see that the there's going to be a shift towards the youth, towards the Osakas, right? And we're going to see who figures it out first. Right now, Naomi has it dialed in. But is she an all-time great? I think that's far too early. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I think we're just talking about that, that this, this whole Serena – Naomi, the debate that's coming about is becoming to become like Tom Brady, the old guard. And then, like, well, I, think, I think I'm saying it's very hyperbolic, right? Naomi's yeah. the person who's figured it out first, right? But how so, is she going to have a long reign? We have no idea, right? She's only 23. The right. next person could be coming along. I mean, I, no, I mean, this is tennis players coming around at what, 17, 18 years old? I mean, the next person could be knocking on the door. They could be just so, getting out of homeschool right now, you know, going to the court and just banging balls against a poster of Naomi, you know, <laughs> in their eyes, right? Like, the, tennis like, is a very unique thing, and I think right. we're going to see a huge youth movement in the coming years. So, uh, listen, so Matt so, said there's well, somebody sitting around in a room looking like Kate Fear. <laughs> He's got Naomi tatted on her knuckles. <laughs> Listen, I got a whole sentiment on this. Listen, all right. So the men's the, the men's side hasn't figured it out yet. It's they they it, it everyone thought that Federer was done six, seven years ago, and three, four majors later, he has the most of all time. And it's impossible. It's literally like you go, you, you turn on a match in a major, and if it's Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, it's a 99% chance that they're gonna win the match. Like it's it's usually not. You know, and especially like in the early rounds, it's like it's like the NBA playoffs. It's like the Warriors against like the uh, whoever. Like you know, it's going to be a sweep. Like you know, it's not going to be close. All right, mean, they might get one game in the first round, but it's it's nothing past that. Um, the women's side, the women's side is so deep. It's not even just Naomi Osaka. It's also 
Bianca uh, Andrescu, who unfortunately has been dealing with uh, injury problems over the past year. Uh, there, there's others. There's, I mean, there's a lot. You still had, I mean, Sloane Stevens isn't the same player she she is, but um, you know, it's. I think I forget what the number is, but the big three: Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. They've actually. Do you remember the number that the they've? I think they've played in the last sixteen major finals, or they no, they've won the last sixteen majors. One of those big three. So Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic have won. Uh, you know, no one's won a major besides them since 2016. Like, that's insane. Like, that's how good they are. And Well, yeah, except for team, you know, last year. Right, 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 right. But US. I, I, I think that's oh, excluding team. Um, but, like, yes, yeah, so like, it's been it's been either Federer, Nadal, Nadal, Djokovic, you know, J- Federer, Djokovic. It's been a back and forth, like, ping pong battle. And then you have team finally getting up in there, finally getting his first major. <laughs> but it took a joke. No, go back Djokovic literally getting disqualified. And that's when everybody was like, oh, maybe these people have a chance. Yeah, because the best hardcore player who have ever lived is now out of the tournament. We weren't considering any other person other than Novak Djokovic for the U.S. Open because Nadal was gone, Federer was gone, and you had a whole bunch of new gens coming in. It was literally tailor-made for Novak to win. Tailor-made. It's true. true. And literally, like, I'm going to bring up my boy, but... uh, you know, Nick Kyrgios beat Nadal oh. when he was 18 years old at Wimbledon. And uh, everyone's like, oh, my God, this guy's going to – he's going to win 10 majors. Oh, my God, this guy's going to be so good. He has the talent. And then he's a different story because of his well, – He's a Zoloff. Yeah. I mean, listen, it. but there, there's just – there's been many players over the past, like, six, seven years who have come through. Gael Monfils, uh, who have come through, and they're like, oh, my God, they're going to – they have to win a major. There are multiple major – uh, you know, player and these guys just keep winning. And it's not even just a physical thing. Like it's these guys stay in incredible shape, but it's like, it's impossible to beat these guys mentally. Like tennis is such a, like, I think out of all the sports that I watch tennis might be like the number one, most mental sport just because of what I don't even know how to convey it. Maybe Ashley can, can convey it a little better, but um it's just it's so tough because you're out there by yourself. You don't have uh, teammates. Like you don't have. You're not allowed to talk to your coach uh, on the court. It's literally just you. It's you versus the other person, and um, you know it's yeah. It's everything's on you. So that that's why that's why how you know it's it's really tough for these these guys to come through because these guys like Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic they say they stay so mentally strong over these years and. It's insane. I point this out: the fact that a 22-year-old and Stefano Tsitsipas of Greece beating an almost 35-year-old Nadal, and regardless of the way he did it, you know, coming back from two sets to love, coming back from two sets to love, and you know, beating him seven-five in the fifth. The fact that that is considered a massive upset, considering at where they're at in their stages of their career, it's yeah. absolutely insane. It's insane. It attests to the mental and physical like grip that they have on the men's side. And when you look yeah. at the women's side, I mean, Serena's been dominating for like the past decade and a half, but you still got 
Bianca, Naomi, Coco's coming up, even though she needs to get a little bit more consistent on her forehand and backhand side. Simona uh, was pretty good there for a while. Simona, you got Simona Halep, yes. Yeah, you got Angelique, yeah. Angelique Kerber, if she ever finds her form again. God, I love for yeah, her to find like her. I would love for her to find her form again. I mean, and you got Igos Frontek, who just won the French Open. I mean, you oh, have yeah. all of these, all of these people, all these women on the women's side that can come in, and if their draw opens up, they can just zoom in and win a major. Even if their draw doesn't open up, they can upset a player and just take a major. Whether as Zverev and team literally had to have Djokovic mm. disqualified. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Like the men's side, it reminds me of the AFC in like the 2000s and the late 2010s, where you literally had Manning, Roethlisberger, and Brady. There was actually a streak, and it's still going now. Since 2001, it's like 17 of the last 20 Super Bowls have had somebody with that last name in the game. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but what, uh, one other thing I want to point out, Ashley, what, what, like, what was Nadal's record in, uh, like once he's up two sets to love, like what was his record? Like he had one, like, it was like 260 something to one. And that one, that one loss was to Fabio Fonini, who had played the round prior, um, at the 2015 U.S. Open, albeit hit Nadal's worst year of his career, but he still was the first person to ever beat Nadal two sets up. And like, if you watch that match and watch the commentary of the match, they were like two sets and a break, done deal. Like we y'all can go home. And then Fonini said, absolutely not. And like Nadal was up, I believe, was he up a break in the third? I mean, no, he wasn't. Are you talking about CC Pass? Yes, I don't believe he was up yeah, in the third, but he had chances to win the match in the tiebreak, and he misses an overhead, and then he whiffs a forehand down the line. I mean, you're sitting here looking at Nadal, I'm like, these are shots that you can make in your sleep, and you're yeah. missing them. And <laughs> you're just like, what happened? And, like, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring – not to cut you off, Ashley. I wanted to bring this up, and I'm, I'm biased because I'm a tennis fan, but, you know, there's a whole talk about, all right, Brady's the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, and then, you know, people want to talk about whoever they want to bring up, whoever else they want to bring up. No one really brought not on this show. Huh? Not on this show. <laughs> He's not on this show. Yeah, yeah. He said, shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> right. And I understand it. I mean, tennis isn't like uh, tennis is, I guess, like a, a, a world sport that's popular in a sense. It's not like, a, you know, it's not a major sport in America. It's not even really a major sport in any country. It's just like so you're a, a globalist is what you're saying. Listen, Rafael Nadal should be right up there. The, the, the endurance that he has at this age, what he's been able to do, he has, he's tied for the most majors ever. And uh, the, what he's, what he's been, he's a workhorse. He's um, I mean, he's, he's freaking ripped. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that was a qualification. I mean, we can discuss whether he's the greatest, one of the greatest athletes to ever live. And I, mean, I would, I would entertain tennis player to ever live. So that sort I mean, of qualifies him there. I mean, you can, <laughs> you can make an argument for all three, Roger, yeah, Novak fun. and Rafa, you can make an argument for all three. You can make an argument for any athlete being the greatest athlete of all time if you find enough information and your your audience is 
stupid enough to believe you. (laughs) (laughs) But you can you can make that argument for Rafa. I mean, he plays with his left hand. He's a righty. (laughs) Um, So and I get like the fact that he was his playing style when he first stepped in, it was compared to Andre Agassi, but on crack. And he was told that a lot of people. Well, that that was Agassi. Andre Agassi's style at one point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then I said on crack. <laughs> like the crack part was Rafael Nadal, and the fact that a lot of people considered him to be done. He was going to be done by the age of twenty-five. I don't know how. So twenty-five was ten years ago. So about two thousand eleven, they said that his career was going to be. Let's go back to 2011. Rafa made three major finals in 2011. Uh, French Open, Wimbledon, U.S. Open. Got clapped in Wimbledon and U.S. Open by Djokovic because Djokovic was unbelievable that year. (laughs) I mean, if you saw how Djokovic played against Nadal, you would understand why I said clap. I mean, granted, there were like four set matches. Like, listen, my boy got clapped in two out of the three. But But, but, let's hear it. But here's the thing. That one where he's but I'm using the year the that he had, the year that he was in. He was beating everybody except Djokovic. I mean, Djokovic was basically unbeatable that I year. Yeah. Yeah. He was unconscious in 2011. He was unbelievable. Nobody was beating Novak Djokovic that year. I don't even think a prototype of Novak Djokovic was beating Djokovic in 2011. <laughs> what I am saying here is that in 2011, when he was projected to – quit and just retire because of his knees or whatever. He was in finals. He was beating everyone. He was at the top of the world. So we're, we're talking about greatest athletes here. We got to consider the fact that he's like, he's adjusted to like his body. He's adjusted to like yeah. what the demands of the sport is. I'm like, I'm not saying that he's the greatest athlete ever. I'm just saying that there's an argument that can be made. That's the type of thing I was saying. <laughs> I've, got, I've got two things on this. One, Yarmir Yager came back to the NHL at and continued <laughs> to have a lengthy career and was a highly effective player. Second of all, Vince, who is your favorite person to use in Mario Tennis? Oh, uh, that would be, oh, let's see. It's been a while. Shy Guy. Shy Guy is the one. Oh, shy Guy is great. Shy, shy Guy is a good yeah, one. Good. Yeah, he's sneaky. He's sneaky. He's obnoxious. The sounds are hilarious. Uh, he's just <laughs> a total package. Love Shy Guy. I'm a big Waluigi guy myself. See, and I, and I was thinking about Waluigi. I, he is my backup because sometimes people would spite me and take Shy Guy just to piss me off. So then I would have to go with somebody else. And yeah, Waluigi was the pick. The dejection in someone's face when they try to hit their super shot and then Waluigi just swims through that little river, <laughs> catches the ball. Oh, oh God. The, like <laughs> the way that Waluigi is just set up in Mario Tennis is just. Chef kiss, honestly. Yeah. Shout out to the developers. <laughs> Shout, out. Shout out to Nintendo. Shout out to Nintendo. <laughs> Shout out. Sponsor us. By the way, Mario Golf is coming to a <laughs> system near you in a couple of months. So stay tuned for that. Mario Golf. Yeah, they're bringing it back. They're bringing back Mario Golf. Again, you guys are even talking about the correct video game to talk about this stuff about Wii Sports, Wii what? Tennis, is better. <laughs> Wii, sports. Wii Tennis, Wii Golf, all the oh, look at Vince, yeah, yeah, all those Wii Sports. Maybe you just sucked at him, Vince. I don't well, know. First off, we should be talking about tennis aces on the Sega Dreamcast 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My man Tommy Haas was damn near unbeatable. Yes, sir. I had it. My dad used to have a Sega Dreamcast, and I played that frequently. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We tennis video games are just a rare breed, and I love them. (laughs) See, we was broke. I didn't have Dreamcast. We had Gamecast. Like, I'm out. Who's going to win it? It was a gift. Yeah, we, it was a we gift broke. to my dad. I'm from North Philly. We were broke. It was a bootleg. We took it down the street. Somebody melded the two together. <laughs> there was we a guy even... on the street corner that sold this. Uh, they called Dream a uh, Game Pass. <laughs> it had the logo on it and everything. We uh, I don't think we even talked about the Aussie Open, have we? We haven't really talked about it. I mean, we have. I'm waiting for my question to get answered. Is right, there hold anybody on. that surprised you with how well they played outside of the people we know are great? Um, outside of the people we know are great. All right. Um, well, Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Sisyphus? What? <laughs> no, easy pass? No, easy pass. We call him Easy Pass. Easy yeah, we, pass. Don't, we call him Stephanos, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> call him Easy Pass. He's talking about Stephanos Sisyphus of Greece, who made. Yes, he who made. Um, the semifinals this year, he lost to Daniel Medvedev, who was on a crazy streak before he hit Djokovic of mm-hmm. 20 matches in a row. So that was, I yeah, I thought that was pretty surprising, too. Um, his draw was not the most favorable draw. He had a pretty tough draw. But he was able to really lock in and play some really good tennis. And I think his mental game over the course of the past two years has really improved. And I think that's something that should be discussed a little bit more. Because since he passed like, 2019 – and coming back against Nadal, uh, two sets to love. I mean, he got he got beat by Nadal in the 2019 Aussie Open in streets. So that type of mentality that he had in 2019 versus what he has now, I, I really think that's something that should be discussed a little bit more often, just the way that he was able to focus in, even without a crowd, which Melbourne, I don't know if you know this, has a massive, massive Greek population. And imagine that win with the crowd that they had before the circuit breaker shut down where they had to lock down for a little bit. Imagine that match with the crowd. Absolutely insane. Well, can we talk about matches with great crowds? Um, an Austra- Australian man with a Greek last name by the name of Nick Kyrgios um, had the matches, two matches of the tournament, two matches. Okay. Uh, him in the uh, second round, Against Ugo Umber, five sets. Ugo Therbina? <laughs> oh my God. S- sir. <laughs> I thought he was kidnapped. <laughs> oh, goodness. You're a Marlins fan, Matt. Know it. Um, he got out of jail? That's great. <laughs> he got out of jail? <laughs> no, it said Ugo the Bear. It was it was a bear that escaped the circus. Whole different thing. <laughs> um, but I, I think that. You know, Kyrgios had that match, and then he had, even though he lost a team, these were the matches of the tournament. The fans come out to see Nick Kyrgios because he creates the excitement, and no one else created the excitement like Nick Kyrgios. I just wish that he would step the heck up and actually make runs in majors. I mean, okay. are you surprised with a name like that? He sounds like a Marvel villain. <laughs> he really is, though. If only you knew, Bobby. If only you knew. <laughs> now, let's take this Australian Open and turn it into a different concept. Which Australian celebrity do you think is the best at tennis? 
or like the, even expand it to New Zealand. Like take your draw of like your sweet 16, right? Who's coming out on top? I've got a First final of all, I got to think of versus Hemsworth. And there's a lot of beef <laughs> in that matchup. That one all is USDA <laughs> choice. <laughs> all I got is Mel Gibson and Crocodile Hunter, which one is totally washed up and the other's dead. So I don't know how good of a job Crocodile Hunter is going to be as a tennis player at this point, but uh, maybe in his prime, maybe in his yeah, prime. I'm going Mel Gibson, Russell Crowe in my final. <laughs> there we go. Russell Crowe doesn't make it out of the first round. That man is dragging booze sweat all over the court. Come on. <laughs> he is it. not Gladiator Russell Crowe anymore. I don't have an answer for this. I have to think about this. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I mean, Mel Gibson versus Chris Hemsworth would be interesting just for the chaos because I like chaos. <laughs> so. I have a Williams sister situation, a Hemsworth versus Hemsworth final. <laughs> <laughs> or is just Liam that bland that we don't even. I mean, th- then there is Luke as well. There's that Hemsworth. Um, Does Nemo count? Is Nemo an Australian celebrity? (laughs) (laughs) The fish. Yeah, yeah. All right, there we go. Yeah, I I don't know how good he'd be, but I'll put Nemo in there. Representing the EAC, ladies and gentlemen, Nemo. Hope he has a (laughs) one-handed backhand. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Well, anyway, back to uh, Mr. Nick Curious over there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I have no idea where you were going with that, but yeah, I think Curious did have. He did surprise me honestly, and just like the level that he played because he's such a cat. He's such a wild card. Like you either gonna get a good Nick Curious or you're gonna get bad Nick Curious. It depends on what he's feeling that day. Whether he had his Wheaties, whether he had he woke up on the right side of the bed, the correct centimeters, all that. You're just gonna get whoever. But he actually showed up and did well, and he pushed team. I mean. He almost beat team. He should. I mean, he had. He was up three break points in that third set while he was up two sets to love, uh, and then from there he lost it. And I knew he was going to lose it at that point. You, you, if you, if you know Kyrgios, like you know, at that point I was like, he's going to lose this match somehow, even though yeah. he's up two sets to love. Like you knew he was going to. Yeah, uh, Dominic team just loves coming back from a deficit. I don't know why. Team is incredible. But um, that's just his vibe. He just loves my, coming back from a deficit. My my whole thing also on Nick Curious, because we're just going to talk about Nick Curious now. Uh, I feel like if he wanted, if he really wanted to win, he would. And I also feel like he <laughs> could bring. He could bring, uh, you know, I, I really feel like Much he could like Serena, if the match goes out yeah. and ends. Uh, Listen, not, not, I literally <laughs> misworded, but okay. All right, Matthew over there. Yeah, Relax. <laughs> Relax. I say one <laughs> word wrong over here, but Mr. Run-On Sentences over there and Mr. Bobby Doves gives a free pass. And I say Easy intended. Pass. I say intended. <laughs> The sports editor said intended. Oh no! Lesson. <laughs> Lesson. I'm, I'm, I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, but for real though, like I feel like a lot of a lot of sports. Uh, you know, you, you'll have your villains and you have your rivalries. 
Like, I feel like Kyrgios, he can bring that to the table. Am I, am I saying he's going to make tennis the most popular sport in the world? No, but he has the personality. He has the, the incredible talent. He hits some incredible shots sometimes. I really feel like he could bring a bigger audience to tennis. I just wish that he would actually take it seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? If he found someone to hate on tour... It's an adult. He like, found he, two. He, he found two more than anything. That's his biggest problem. Well, yeah, he came out. He came out a couple months ago. And I think he said that he would. He'd been dealing with like uh, depression and stuff like that. Um, he like he really wants to be a basketball player. Uh, like I know he has. I don't know if you guys know he has like a a shoe deal with like Kyrie too. Irving. Like him and him and Kyrie have a shoe together. It's like a tennis slash basketball shoe. Um, so, but so like, so, how do they walk if they're all if they're both in one shoe at the same time? Isn't that hard? Is it like a three legged race thing? Vince. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where Kyrie shows up. Oh my gosh! Yes, but I think another person that surprised me was Felix. Although he did lose to the uh, the qualifier Aslan Karatsev of Russia. He made the second week of a major, um, which has been a really big issue for him uh, since he's been on the pro uh, been on the pro level. So really get into the second week. So for him to get to the second week was a big deal for him. I would have liked to see him go a little bit further, um, but just for him to even get to the second week when he's like crashing out of the third round or like he's struggling to barely make it to the fourth round. I mean, it, it was really good for him to finally get some first week second week confidence i i really do think that i mean can we talk about the americans taking three sets oh, yeah. off of yeah, djokovic i yeah, mean so. did any of us expect that I mean, yeah Tiafo, I mean, show, but not a great showing by the i mean an entire yeah. country just just to clarify she was talking about felix aljali's scene sorry um, no it's okay just mm-hmm. just for the people i don't know um so I think it was the second round that uh, Francis Tiafo, who is an American, played Novak Djokovic, took a set off of him, um, and you know he ended up losing the match. But you know it's it's Djokovic. It's Djokovic is going to be the the best of all time in about a year or two. So that's that's you know that's that's an accomplishment. Um, and then Taylor Fritz uh, took two sets off of him, and it actually looked like he almost was going to win. Got into the fifth set, and Fritz had all the momentum. Uh, I think um, Djokovic was having like abdomen problems. I think he yes, like, he strained yeah. his. Uh, he I think he tore actually an abdomen uh, abdominal yeah. muscle. Um, yeah. like he slipped on the Melbourne side, like late in the third, he slipped on it, I and like it. yeah, he had like a medical timeout, and he was able to come through it. So, and that comes back to the point of the whole mental thing, like. I knew it too. I, I knew I was like, all right, Djokovic might let him win a set or two, but he's gonna find and will the way when it matters, when he needs to. <laughs> Getting a break point in uh in the, you know, I think that was like the final game of the last set. You know, he looked tired, he looked he looked hurt. I mean, I don't know if you thought that, Ashley, but he looked hurt. Um, he didn't look like his usual self. He didn't look like he was uh, stepping through, I would know. say he looked tired. I don't think he. I don't. I think he tried to mask the pain, so I didn't think that he looked hurt. In my personal opinion, but he definitely looked tired. I don't think yeah. he really expected to go uh, pound for pound with Taylor Fritz, especially at that point in the fifth set. The crowd was gone, um, so yeah. that's when the circuit breaker locked down. If you guys don't know, 
COVID had affected Australia during the Australian Open. So they had 13 cases of the new COVID strand. Um, and they wind up having to do a no. circuit breaker lockdown. Everybody had to leave by 1130. So, and that match was happening around that time. They cleared everybody out. So I really do think the crowd factored into Taylor Fritz really finding some confidence in yeah. that game. So when they left, I think you kind of saw a different Taylor Fritz. He had to rely more on himself and not like the crowd's energy, which really played in a part of like Djokovic because like he can, he can play with the crowd without a crowd. Most of the time the crowd's against him. He just, yeah, he, so yeah. usually, I mean, um, I just, I, I felt like, to me, Djokovic didn't look like the same player. I didn't look like, yeah, he looked like he looked tired, but he looked to me. I'm to me, he looked like he was kind of playing hurt because he was at the end of the day, he was playing hurt. Um, and but to me, he just he willed his way through at the end when it mattered. Uh, like I said, uh, he, he got the break point and he beat Fritz. Okay, yeah, Fritz won those two sets, but I knew again, I knew. That all right, Fritz might come back a little bit, but Djokovic isn't going to let this happen. Djokovic wants the record so bad, so badly. You can tell. I mean, all of them want it, um, but you know, I, you can just tell with Djokovic, he wasn't going to let that happen. Look, Taylor Fritz. To me, Taylor Fritz is a player that's going to uh, his ceiling. He might have. I don't know if you want to say he already reached it, but he, he's not getting past like a top fifteen player player ever. Um, I don't expect him to. Um, you know, really, really, uh, you know, excel past what he's already gotten to. So, but, um, you know, Djokovic won his ninth Australian and he's now at 18, uh, Rogers at 20 and Nadal's at 20. So it's just for the next couple of years, it's going to be, uh, it's really going to be fun. And, um, you know, I, I, I advise other people that aren't tennis fans that, um, you know, enjoy, and now I'm not even taking a shot at you. Um, but, uh, Matt, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, you know, like this is the best era of tennis we're ever seeing. Like you're literally seeing LeBron James, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson all playing at the same time. So, uh, with Nadal, Feder, and Djokovic. So enjoy it. That's all I'm saying. Team MJ. Anyway, MJ. <laughs> so. That has been our Australian Open wrap-up. We'll be looking forward to the French, to the Wimbledon, and whatever WTA action that comes up soon. <laughs> but we're running please for Wimbledon, please. up against our time. So let's do a quick lightning round. What is one thing you want to see out of the Phillies in this spring training as it gets underway? What do I want to see? Yeah, what's one Why? thing that you're looking for to come out of there? What's one interesting storyline that you believe in? I, I'm looking at the pitching and how the pitching is doing uh, this offseason, um, the spring training. I mean, that's been a big constituent for the past couple seasons is the pitching and the unre- not unreliability, unreliability of the bullpen. So I'm looking to see how they adjust to spring training, how the pitching goes. I believe they're already all down there. So I haven't been able to keep up with spring training with everything that's going on. But, yes, yeah. I'm looking to um, pitch for pitching. I mean, for me, it's it's center field. Uh, I mean, the bullpen, so the rotation, for me, like that's going to be something when the regular season happens. I have to see that. I have to see them prove it uh, because, you know, we, we've been talking about it for a couple of years. Like, can, can these guys prove themselves? Uh, center field, I mean, you have – uh, Roman Quinn, who, I mean, Roman Quinn can't stay healthy, and we know he has potential. He's fast. Uh, 
you know, he can get hot and he can hit a little bit, but um, there's Roman Quinn, there's Scott Kingery and uh, Hazley. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know who's going to, who's the front runner and who's going to, you know, and there's a Dubal Herrera who we, who might be, you know, he, he might be on the team. Who knows? Um, you know, I'm not crazy about it, but you know, I mean, he might be better than what we have, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's center field's going to be really, really, uh, interesting. That's for me. Well, uh, for me, I, I'm still curious about Scott Kingery. I saw floating around a little bit today that he lost some weight. And so if he, if he, you know, slimmed down or, and not that he was fat, but he had muscle. So the idea that, okay, <laughs> it took some muscle. He didn't James Harden it. He's like, I'm going to gain 800 <laughs> pounds. Trade me. Uh, so he wasn't doing that, but for the idea that he's trying to get a little bit slimmer, a little bit, you know, sleek, uh, and then be able to just drive the ball more. That's an interesting thing. They've been waiting on him for forever. You know, he's got some raw talent. Can he finally make something of it? He's been in the league for a couple of years uh, with the contract they gave him and all those different things. It's just one of those little things because he's been around long enough that it's not like a big driving story, but it's something that matters a lot still to me, and I think he could do a lot for the team if he turns it around, so we'll see. Uh, for me, uh it's easy to, you know, pick on the bullpen, pick on the pitching. But like uh, Vince was saying, I want to see what we can get from Kingery. Not only Kingery, but Reese, um, Bryce. Like the offense is my concern. I want to see if they can become a team that you know are going to put up runs each and every night out. It's so, sometimes they'll get a gem every once in a while from the pitching staff. And then for some odd reason, the bats go completely cold and they're completely frozen, even though. Like they were so up and down hitting wise, they'd go and score seven runs one game, and it'd be like, oh, the bullpen couldn't hold the lead. But the next game, the pitching will be okay, and then you guys can't hit for shit. So I need to see consistency from the offense. I need to see Reese playing as well as we all thought he could play. They got JT back, they re signed DD. I need to see all those guys hitting the ball. All right. And for me, it's, well, I, Really curious to see sort of the other side of this Kingry coin, which is Gene Segura, right? right? Who's, right. I guess, now currently blocking him at second base and sort of forcing him to be more in the outfield, uh, you know, talk. Can Segura continue to hold off Kingry? And who is the fifth starter? And are they going to experiment with six? Right. That's something that's sort of been bandied about in baseball circles. Right. Having six effective starters or, you know, being able to lengthen the rotation. We know that Velasquez is still here. They brought in Matt Moore. They brought in Chase Anderson. So they have at least one viable five out of that. Are they going to have just the one guy? Are they going to have six? What are they going to do in terms of, you know, having a longer season again as opposed to last year? I, I think starting pitching is going to be really interesting to look at. You know, you have Eflin's development, you have Wheeler year two, you have Nola continuing on, and then Spencer Howard having a full season. So I think the starting rotation is, is going to be one of the more interesting aspects of the team, one that I'm optimistic about, yeah. consciously. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think six stars might be cool to start off a few the first few months with, but I mean, you got to figure out if it started at some point, man. Mm -hmm. I feel like you gotta, I feel like you gotta, you gotta solidify that. You can't just say, all right, we're going to keep, you know, rolling the dice and see what happens with six stars, whatever. I don't, don't think that's the best idea. It looks like the Mets might be doing that and the Mets are 
like loaded on paper. So I mean, you don't know. So and the, the Mets doing that makes no sense because why would you want to put Degrom or Syndergaard further away from right. starting? But right. you got to save the arms. And to counter Dubs, uh, I mean, I agree with you that it's like baseball is like that. Baseball it can be the offense might not be going one night, and then uh, but your pitching's you know you have really good pitching. Um, but I mean, the Phillies offense was fifth and run scored last year. I mean, I'm not concerned about the offense. I mean, you got Didi and Real Muto back, like they're both in their primes. Like, uh, I mean, Harper, I- I'm, I'm confident in Hoskins. Like I'm confident in Reese. I-, I mean, I know a lot of other people aren't, um, I guess we're expecting him to, you know, be a perennial MVP player being in this lineup, but, uh, you know, he hit really well last year before he got injured. Uh, so, you know, um, I think like the last 10 games. So. I'm not worried about the offense, but you know, I, I I totally get that. But like that to me is the the least worrisome because they were top five and in, in all MLB and run scored last year. So, but that, another thing also, um, I don't want to go on too much, but uh, you know, I think we're we're like kind of comfortable with McCutcheon as a leadoff hitter, sort of. But I mean, he's injury prone, and uh, sure. or you know, he's been that for the last couple of years has been injury prone, and uh, he's not getting any younger. Um, so that might be a spot that we have to look at. And I would, I would love if, I mean, I know all their Phillies fans have been feeling this way for the past couple of years. If Roman Quinn could just stay healthy and he could get on base, he has speed of, uh, you know, uh, D Gordon. Like, I mean, like the, the guy could be a beautiful leadoff hitter, but he just can't stay healthy. So the, the leadoff spot might be something to watch. Uh, you know, maybe this year, you don't know. I mean, storylines come up, they pop up out of nowhere. So that could be something to watch. All right, super, super last thing. Fanatic had a new body last year. I'm curious to see with a full offseason how he's handling that new body, <laughs> if he's adapted, what, what new antics he has. So big offseason for the Fanatic, very high expectations. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Fanatic is, yeah, he, he's a guy we're really looking for a lot from this year. Yeah. I guess Fanatic is his last name, isn't it? His first name's Philly. Yes. Yeah. Philly Fanatic. Philip F. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Philly went through some changes last year and, uh, you know, there was an adjustment period, a shortened season. You know, we all we all know what happened last year. But this year, uh, I think Philly with a full off season, uh, you know, second year in body two. It's uh, I really think he's capable of remarkable things. I mean, I think we're going to have people entertained <laughs> again in the stands this year. And I think that's where Philly really shines. Uh He's a guy that uh, needs to have other people around him uh, in order to succeed. And I think, uh, you know, with the way things are going and uh, projecting out this year, we're going to put Philly in the best position to succeed. I'd love to see it. Yeah. So we're wrapping it all up now. Thank you for joining us, Francisco. Can you. you tell the good people your tag so they can find you and interact with you? Yeah, uh, Twitter's um, at Rojas underscore media underscore. That's Twitter. Uh, Instagram, it's at Rojas. Uh, I think it's it's just about the same on Instagram as well. Um, so go follow me there. Go, uh, Matt's laughing at me. It's okay. Um, but all- <laughs> um, also, I'm on YouTube. I'm going to put out more baseball content on there. Um, I'm ranking the NL East right now. I know you guys might not like that when. Uh, I put out the Phillies one soon. I know Matt's not going to like it because he he thinks I'm this antagonizer, but I just I tell it what it is. 
I tell it what it is. That's what I do. I tell it what it is. Um, so look out for that. Uh, baseball on YouTube and me and my buddy Raji, we do Sixers weekly every week. So look out for that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all I got. Thank you guys for having me on today. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's just because everything comes up Mets with you inexplicably. Mets? <laughs> oh, you're gonna love you're gonna love these. Oh boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> you're the guy that thinks the Marlins are gonna win the NL East, aren't you? It's you, isn't it? Well, you, you clearly didn't watch my last video. Guy. You clearly didn't watch my last video. So no. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're in a feud. Why would I watch? <sighs> anyway. Bobby Dubs. Uh, as hey. always, you can find me on Instagram at Robo the Writer. You can find me on Twitter at YoungSpud1385. Make sure you go get the book, Hope Over Hurt. That's on Amazon, paperback, and digital. And before we leave, prayers up to Tiger Woods. I'm here yeah. now. He is fine. Not fine, but it's compound fractures. He's going to be out quite a while. And uh, But there are no life-threatening injuries. He will recover. But he's got some, some pretty bad leg injuries. So prayers up the tiger. But that's where you can find me at Robo the Writer and uh, Young Spud thirteen eighty five on Twitter and go get the book. Hope over hurt. And that is some great news, but possibly some even better news. The Glacier Boys got their first win last week. Yeah, oh, baby. Yeah. Yes. Oh and yeah. It's been Squin, a you know, integral part of that, I'm sure. Yeah, well, How was your we, play calling? It, it was great. We didn't call a single run because that was the game plan. We talked about it on the show. We've got the new FCF podcast, which is fun with football. So check that out. And uh, you know what? For the people that are live streaming this, uh, you get a exclusive sneak peek. I'm actually debuting an FCF website, which will be a project of Last Out Media tomorrow. It's called FCF Owners Box. And you can go look that up right now. FCF Owners Box. Com. So, yeah, we are going in on the FCF. It is the greatest league that's ever been made. Uh, the Glacier Boys are the greatest <laughs> team in the history of sports. I know we talked about great athletes before. Uh, Andrew Jamil of the Glacier Boys is the greatest athlete that ever lived. You're all welcome. The debate is solved. And so if you want to find any of this you know, random nonsense that I'm spewing, you can find me at It's Vince Quinn, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, um, maybe a Pinterest. Who knows? Uh, you 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 know better than me. Just go look it up and see if I'm there. Maybe I am. I used to be on TikTok. Maybe that's still there. So I'm on all the platforms. And it's Vince Quinn. There you have it. Yeah. Who did you cast your vote for for franchise player? Oh, Jamil. Jamil. I was I was going to be angry if they didn't take Jamil. Mm -hmm. They did the right thing. Yeah. And then it was. They were asking. I think. Oh, well, for this week, was, the franchise yeah. guy. Oh, I didn't get to do that vote yet. Uh oh. The uh -oh. poll is Turpin or Campbell. Oh, I got to check that out. Okay. See, I would go Turpin right now. I made a couple of plays last week. Yeah. I mean, if we're not running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to figure out what the game plan is this week. The the running, we, you know, it's a long story, but our, our backup quarterback stunk last week. I, I hated him. I never want him on the team again. And so that, that, you know, that messed with the dynamics in the running game as a telemarketer calls me for the 15th time today. I don't know why that keeps happening. It's, it's insane. I get telemarketer calls like every five seconds. It's driving me nuts. Anyway, anyway, yeah, I'm going, I'm going turpin. That's my guess. Yeah, just, well, one thing, that FCF stuff is great. It's great content. I love that you guys are doing it. And uh, please keep doing it. Please. Yeah, FCFownersbox.com, baby. It's the brand new venture. We're going all in. We're going all the way.
I, I mean, I, I gave them money, so I might as well, right? <laughs> I gave them. I invested. Money. I got my ownership. Yeah, there it and is. Where can we find you, Mister Merite? Uh, you can find me angrily emailing Richard Sherman, uh, <laughs> destroying and Quavo, Quavo, of course. Assuming that I remember it's Quavo, and I'm not randomly, you know, barking up takeoffs tree. Wrong. <laughs> Uh, but I am an M Maratea two two. That's M M A R A T E A two two. Twitter, Instagram, uh, Untapped, everything else. I might have a Pinterest too. Now that I think about it. And Ashley Woods is at Ashley M Woods on Twitter, just so y'all yeah. can check out Ashley. Yes. Um, Latest thing for me on Last Out Media was recap of the Flyers flopping in Lake Tahoe. Um, I know Dubs. He's Done our Tiger Woods report. Uh, Vince, obviously, with our FCF content. Francisco, what was the last thing you did? Um, what was la- uh, I did? I did an Aussie Open uh, the the first yep. week, the top three matches. I'm working on a piece right now on the NL East that you're going to love. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can, oh, by the way, you can also talk on social media. You can also catch me and Matt just randomly arguing and fighting over nothing. Um, it's great content. It's great content. So, yeah. yes, it's absolutely the Twitter version of on-site. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, and with that, I think we're good.